For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This to me is like the really fascinating material. I don't know what the answer is, but we're looking for patterns. I think we're looking at kind of a type of cosmic alchemy. The story slowly grew into Still, a lot of people don't know that this technology actually exists. The possibilities here are pretty mind And we're back, Rob. Rob's enjoying that, that piece of pizza he just... I'm still swallowing. Yeah, thank you. Swallowed. Thank you for bringing me up first. <laughs> Every good podcast first. should begin with, I'm still swallowing. <laughs> oh, man, it's already begun. Yeah, it's already gotten crazy on here. And, and, and no one's going to say that's what she said. We're just going to leave that just hanging out there. <laughs> that's what Bigfoot said. Well, we got everybody here. Rob is here. Surfiel is here. Present. Present, and then we have these guys, the roundtable, and we're going to talk about the Skinwalker Ranch movie, Hunt for the Skinwalker, but we're not going to just talk about the movie. I want to talk a little bit about some of the, of the events that happened there. So we've got Chris Wolford here and Timothy Renner. <laughs> Hello. Joshua Cutchin. Bang a rang, Rufio. And last but not least, Mr. Soraya. Hello. Hello, Soraya. Hi. <laughs> Soraya actually filled us in tonight that birds are not real. That's true. It's a it's that a conspiracy totally theory. I've been living a lie. <laughs> you didn't know that you, if you thought that you saw birds, you're actually receiving government surveillance. We just drones. ate bird, man. What was that? What's that? We just ate bird. I know, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Only chickens are real. The rest of the birds, oh, okay, okay. birds that fly. Are oh, not it's real. pigeons. It's pigeons, you guys. Pigeons, pigeons are not real. <laughs> right, right. But first, Tim, I wanted to bring you on because um, you had an interesting experience that I wanted to talk about because you just got attacked by a raccoon. I did indeed. It's, I, I recommend it highly. Everyone should should go out and, and uh, get attacked by a raccoon because it'll prove your manliness one way or another. <laughs> no, so this like all right. So uh, the basic story is I got attacked by a raccoon, but the backstory on this is the night before I was attacked by said foul beast. Uh, I was talking with Clint from OK Talk and. We just, whenever we talk, we go in like 9,000 topics, but uh, we had talked about um, how to catch a raccoon, oddly enough. He was telling me this like sort of uh, folk country method of catching a raccoon by putting a, a shiny item in a bottle. We had also talked about like messing around with the paranormal is like, was like putting the one ring on and the ISR on kind of, kind of turns and looks at you and notices you. And we had talked about, uh, he's making a movie and, um, 
we had talked about uh, Seth Breedlove had come up because, of course, he makes the, the small town monsters movies. So that's like the the baseline. I mean, there was more, but that's that's without getting into an hour long story. That's the baseline, like stuff we were talking about the night before. I actually had to get off the phone with them or off the, the podcast, rather, because I was going on a hike with my son the next day. So uh, wake up the next morning, uh, make my son lunch, and then we go we go for a hike. And the, where we went was Hex Hollow, which is a place where I've had multiple other experiences in the past oh. and uh, did not. Did not expect to have an experience there. We were just, you know, we we're going for a hike. So, uh, go on our hike and sort of on the last part of it. And we come to it, the trail comes to a, uh, it kind of splits into a V. And uh, we took the left hand path because, uh, you know, what other path would you take? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, we just, you know, that was the way back to the car. Uh, and my son, <laughs> my son's like a, he's a billy goat and he, uh, he, it's like, you know, at least 20 yards ahead of me. Usually I think he was a little less at this point, but he, he I see him like kind of stop and, and straighten up and he's looking at something. So I catch up with him and he says, is that a raccoon up there? And it was a big raccoon in the middle of the trail. It was standing up on his hind legs and he kind of made a move like he was going to going to walk towards it. And, and later he, he told me like, yeah, I was just going to walk by and like not touch it. But I stopped him. I said, no, let's, let's take another trail here, bud. And so we kind of started backing up a little bit and it started trotting towards us. And at that point I told my son, I said, Gideon run, just run. And I, he started running. I, I ran and took basically two steps and looked behind me. And so there's no way I'm out running this thing. So I turn around and it's just snarling and hissing and just, just, you know, it's, it's coming full bore. Oh my God. <laughs> and there's, it's, it's just one option at this point. It's, it's, it's going to get me or it's going to get my son or, you know, I'm going to take it out. And luckily I, I hike with a, a big staff. It's a, it's a, most people use that use walking sticks, have them far too short for a walking stick to be effective. Everyone, it should be as high as your shoulder. So a little, little tip for hikers there. If you're walking with a, a cane, a cane, essentially, it's not doing you much good as a walking stick. You need something high. So right. what I have is a, is a big, heavy wizard staff for, for lack of a, a better word. I mean, really, this guy, I've got symbols of protection, wood burn on it and and um, all kinds of like it's like Latin chants that wrap around it and, and uh, symbols. Uh, Mary's, Did you uh, yell, you shall, you not, shall pass. not pass. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I it's that is the one of the biggest missed opportunities in my life. <laughs> it's the first thing I said, like the first like I texted Clint like Ray after it happened. I said, I can't believe I didn't yell. You shall not pass. Like, I cannot believe because. I brought my wizardly staff down upon the foul beast, the goblin raccoon, and I broke its back first hit. Uh, but I, I was scared. I mean, I was, you know, I didn't want it to, to come after my son really is what, what I was doing. I, I hit it a few more times. I, I tripped and fell backwards and I thought, well, now, you know, now it's got a good shot at my nuts. So I'm, I'm in, I'm in trouble now, but uh, I, I, had, <laughs> I pretty well inca- incapacitated it with the first hit, I think. So I got up and, you know, again, I'm just filled with adrenaline. I wasn't trying to be cruel. I mean, this this thing was obviously in attack mode. Yeah. I just didn't want it to, to come after my son. So I hit it a couple more times and caught it with my son, went back to the parking lot and uh, called the park ranger. He shows up about 20 minutes later. Name tag on the park ranger, Breedlove. And you can uh, you oh. can confirm that <laughs> on the York County Park website. There is a park ranger named Breedlove. Couldn't believe it. I'm like, what? And it took me a little while to put together all these synchronicities. 
he goes and gets the raccoon and uh it was mostly dead after he's had to put a bullet in it he told me comes back and hands it to me in a trash bag like well he doesn't hand it to me yet he's got it in a trash bag and i said well you know are you gonna have it tested And he's like were you bitter bitten or scratched i said no he said well then we don't test him i said well i've got i got open cuts on my leg from thorns not from the raccoon and uh and he's like, yeah, raccoon had open wounds on its head. And I said, well, don't you think, like, I kind of want to know if it has rabies or not. So he says, well, the hospital will test it for you. Hands me the trash bag with a dead raccoon in it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I go off to the hospital. And I, was like, I thought it sounded weird, but I don't know. Like, you know, I've obviously never been in this situation before. And he was very matter of fact. He was, I was like. I got attacked by a freaking raccoon, dude. He's like, yep, that's the woods. I'm like, well, hold on a minute. <laughs> no, that's not normal. Like, that is not normal. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been in the I'm 48 years old. I've been hiking literally since I was eight. At least 40 years I spent in the woods. Never had anything like this happen. He's like, oh, well, if you're going to be out in the woods, that'll happen. And I'm like, what? So then I, I take the damn raccoon and put it in the back of my Jeep, drive into the hospital. I knew... I knew not to bring a dead raccoon into the hospital. Like, like <laughs> told me, don't bring this dead raccoon in there. They're not going to be too happy about that. So I go in, and and uh, of course they, they, you know, they want nothing to do with the dead raccoon. However, they did recommend getting rabies shots, which uh, I did, and they suck. Uh, Even though but, you didn't uh, get bit and you didn't get scratched, I didn't. But I had I, I had open wounds on my leg, and the raccoon had open wounds, and I was in close proximity. And you don't okay. fuck with rabies because you, you don't come back from it. Yeah. So right. Uh, the medical advice was get the rabies shots, and and I I took it. I took the medical advice, and also I'm I think it makes me a superhero now. I can just fight animals left and right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like, going to start boxing uh, kangaroos or something. But so what, um, was it a series of eight shots, like they say? It, yeah, yeah. Oh. It, well, that's the first time you get eight the first time, and then I had to get a tetanus shot as well. Yeah. So I really got nine, and then you come back for two more and then two more visits after that. See, there's three follow-up visits and you get two the first time and one each time after that. So it ends up being something like 14 or 15 shots, something, whatever, do the math. A lot of shots. Have they had a problem with rabid raccoons in that um, area? Well, the one nurse did say like, what is it with these raccoon attacks? I keep seeing people who get, getting, you know, getting in fights with raccoons. I'm like, I'm like, wow, I, you know, I guess this is a thing. (laughs) So I don't know. Um, I do know that a lady came by like right after I, I broke the things back. She's she's hiking along the trail. She didn't have anything. She's like walk, no walking stick, nothing. She just and she's like kind of walks by. And she's like, oh, there's a really sick raccoon back there. I'm like, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I made that raccoon sick. No, the raccoon was sick beforehand. It was, it was almost certainly rabid. They didn't get it tested. So anyway, the the hospital doesn't want it. Uh, they said, you need, you need to call animal control. So I call animal control that we don't want it. So then I, they said, call somebody else. We called somebody else in this whole thing. Nobody wants this raccoon. So the next day we literally have it in a trash bag on ice. By the time I got out of the hospital, my Jeep stunk to high heaven. This thing already was just, Oh, this horrible smelling. And, uh, I have it in, we have it in the garage on ice, you know, in this garbage bag, basically (laughs) waiting for someone to you know do something with it. And no one wants it. So we called the park the next day and we're like, hey, nobody wanted this raccoon. 
like, will you guys take it back? And they're like, no, it's yours now. You shouldn't have taken it in the first place. I'm like, what? It's <laughs> yours now. Like a bad party favor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so now I have, like, a dead, probably rabid raccoon in my garage. And I'm like, what? So we ended up burying it just to get rid of it. Um, and this was Sunday, I guess. So on Monday, I get a call from the York County Health Department. And they're like, where's the raccoon? Like what? I was like, I'm, I nobody wanted it, and they're like, oh no, we, we test every every you know animal should be tested every every uh, animal attack. The animal needs to be tested. I said, well, you need to talk to animal control and York County Parks and Park Ranger Breedlove and everybody in that chain and let them know that because nobody wanted this thing. They are they you know nobody wanted to deal with it. So anyway, uh, that's that's the raccoon attack. That's the the. Uh, the Iasauron looked at me and uh, sent sent a goblin my way, and uh, wow. I, I wasn't real happy about it either. Like a lot of synchronicities, like it, like a very very kind of excited feeling, and this left me very uh, like a punch in the gut. I described I did yeah. not like at all, but uh, that's what happened. Jeez, what a story! <laughs> so. And of course, ever since everyone sends me raccoon memes constantly, just nothing. Of but course, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. <laughs> Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> <laughs> maybe there's some uh, maybe there's some evil raccoons on Skinwalker Ranch too. But so uh, we did on where did the road go uh, with Soraya, Josh, and myself. We did a little roundtable about the film and what we thought of it. But uh, what I want to get from you guys first before we kind of get into the film. It's kind of like the course of events that happened on the Skinwalker Ranch. I mean, we don't have to go into excruciating detail, but let's just talk a little bit about that so people kind of understand what it is that we're actually discussing. Who wants to take it? (laughs) 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 It's kind of like a dead red coon. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I think to put this, and I'm, I'm not going. I'm not going to take the story from the beginning, but I will lay okay. a little bit of groundwork. Um, right. I think to put this into context, you have to realize that the the entire Uinta Basin has a very robust history of anomalies in general, uh, not only on unidentified flying objects, but just. So I, I, I get tired of, of how often the term skinwalker gets thrown around, like that means anything. Um, it's an aspect of, you know, Diné, uh, cosmology, but it shouldn't be used as a blanket term to describe all the odd phenomena. But having said that, um, the Uinta Basin itself has been, uh, sort of, uh, a real, uh, notable location for stuff like alleged skinwalker activity, hairy hominids, um, uh, cattle mutilations, uh, you know, uh, unidentified aerial phenomena, all these things are sort of around the same area, uh, which is part of the land that was uh, purchased uh, by the, uh, depending on how <laughs> diplomatic you want to be, Sherman slash Gorman family, um, uh, back in, I believe, the early 1990s. Um, and they purchased it for what I've, if I, if I, if I remember correctly, they purchased it for a very excessively reasonable price and, uh, we're given the instructions to not dig on the land. And that's as far as I'll take that. That's as far as I'll take. That's, that's my first down guys. So you guys run the ball. Did I use a football analogy? Right. I think I did. <laughs> Somebody else take up the ball. Here. <laughs> remember Josh is a musician. Okay. He's on a football. <laughs> yeah. I play halftime. I'm playing the game. <laughs> 
Well, the, the first event, and it's, it's probably the thing that gets, I, I mean, to, for me, just I think it's the thing that gets talked about most is the, is the Bulletproof Wolf, the, the thing that, mm-hmm. that happened the day they moved in. So that was uh, this huge wolf, I mean, which by description this, uh, sounds a lot like a dire wolf, which should be extinct, um, came walking up, and it, it seemed very tame to the family. And in fact, they were even petting it at some point, which is, I mean, man, like that's, I guess, you know, I guess if it seemed friendly, it was very docile. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 And And it was uh, also about like shoulder height or something. It was extremely tall. It was massive. It was absolutely huge. And it, it did it grab a sheep or a calf through the fence? A calf. A calf. calf. Okay. So yeah. So eventually it just, you know, grabs it by the nose, I think, and wouldn't let go. And they they tried to beat it off, and then they ended up um, shooting it multiple times. I think they shot it with a pistol, and then got a rifle, I believe, mm-hmm. and uh, ended up blowing some flesh off of it before it finally finally turned and kind of it sauntered off. Right, it didn't even run. No, it just like took a, a jog towards yeah yeah like and, the field uh, yeah. They tried to track it and it, it sort of disappeared uh, almost literally. I don't know if they saw it disappear, but they said that you know they tracked it and. You know, couldn't figure out where where it could have gone. So it, it was, and, and what I've always found really um, endearing about the whole Skinwalker Ranch scenario is that uh, is the way it pisses off everybody involved in the paranormal. <laughs> so <laughs> what I mean by that specifically is that you have a spot where in the subsequent years you have the family reporting poltergeist activity. Uh, one famous anecdote has the uh, the mother of the family taking all the uh, groceries out and putting them in the cupboards. And then she comes back into the, into the kitchen and all the groceries are back in the bags. <laughs> um, um, you find uh supports and a ports similarly in that sort of uh, poltergeist vein, you have anomalous voices uh, for people who were on the ranch, anomalous smells. You have uh, the infamous, uh, case, which I'm sure we will address, of uh, the portal supposedly opening on the property and some sort of what appeared to be a large hairy hominid crawling out of it. Um, You had uh, other sort of examples of portals where it appeared to be a completely different sky uh, in this window in the sky. Uh, You had, had, uh, you know, sort of, for lack of a better term, UFOs, what appeared to be structured craft, literally shearing off bits of, of, uh, of trees. And uh, to say nothing of, you know, some of actually, from for my money, the most striking thing about the documentary that just came out was the way that they portrayed uh, one of the most famous cattle mutilations, which happened within the course of about 45 minutes and was laid so plain and neatly and uh, bloodlessly. It, it really does. That was the thing that really, um, really hit home for me. Um, but the, the place in general has been the source of pretty much countless anecdotes uh, through the years. And again, I, I will reiterate um, as, you know, as enjoyable as the documentary can be, uh, I I think that the uh, the Colm Kelleher uh, 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 George Knapp book Hunt for the Skinwalker is required reading of any paranormalist because of uh, because of just the content that that's that that you find therein. Um, so maybe you know it's 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 not like there's really a Skinwalker Ranch narrative. It's more about just a series of different anecdotes that. Uh, that really push the boundaries and really force these different sort of paranormal disciplines to, to mix and to mix and match. Chris, Sarai, do you guys have anything to add to, to that? 
I would just add a story that was not in the documentary, but you can find this story on uh, YouTube with George Knapp giving a MUFON talk from L.A. from maybe 2007, where the Gorman's wife was home alone. But Tom had gone into town like 20 miles for business. She's home alone. The kids are gone. I think they're at the grandmother's house. And it was getting dark. And she saw what... Appeared at first to be like a silver, typical UFO disc, and then it morphed into basically an F-117 Nighthawk, and it kind of hovered there, and then it, it just blew up like uh, extreme light, and then next thing you know, she's looking out the window, and there is a desk with a officer from the Air Force sitting there, and she's frantically calling her husband to come back because this is happening, and that's my all-time favorite story from the Skinwalker Ranch. I mean, I don't know who could make something like that up. I mean, it's pretty intricate and so weird that it almost seems like it has to be real then. So, so there's like a guy sitting at a desk in the middle yeah, of like Yeah, and he's just outside. doing paperwork outside, yep. <laughs> I like the story of the, the smoking... Uh, dogs or, or dog headed humans that were, I think they were wearing clothes too. Yep. Yeah. How bizarre is that? And I think that was just off the ranch, but it was right. It was in the immediate area. Yep. Yeah. That's just so crazy. I haven't heard this one. Oh, it was, it was a group of three or four. I think think they said sort of dog headed humanoids that were wearing clothes and smoking cigarettes. And I think it was tribal police actually saw him. I, I, I may have that wrong, but I, I believe that was the case. Yeah, it was. Wow. Yeah, right yeah, that's, outside the range. I want to know, yeah. Yeah. That's the case. The, the other case that I think is, it's not quite as sexy as a lot of this other stuff that we've been bringing up, but I think the implications are much more um, impressive, are the case, or the rather the instance where they had sort of hooked up a redundant system of cameras where one camera was watching the other camera to, yes. to ensure there would be no tampering. And one of the camera's feeds did die, um, and they actually went up to the camera, and it appeared as though the wires had been physically pulled out of it. They checked the timestamp for when that camera failed versus the camera that was watching that camera, and there was nothing to be seen amiss. And I think that really is one of the more profound uh, cases that comes out of Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah, that was actually my biggest disappointment of not being included in the documentary. Be- because Yeah, I, I mean it's it's right there. <laughs> you know, it seems like it should have been included, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean there's there's and which leads me to wonder if if Bigelow did not give them uh, full access. In other words, he he didn't didn't give him full them full access to everything he had. He gave them little bits and pieces. I'm wondering. I don't know. I don't know it's that. My but. understanding, Jeremy Corbell had everything George Knapp had tape wise that he had recorded over the years. He'd been to Skinwalker Ranch and that he got carte blanche to put out what he wanted. He felt that what he put in his documentary was the best stuff for the layman, the person on the street to understand these paranormal events. They're real. They're happening. And you need to deal with it. That's right. well, my understanding. Perhaps George Knapp didn't have that footage. For, in other words, this footage exists, presumably. Presumably they're not lying about it. And this is footage, you know, this would be really footage, important footage. So perhaps George Knapp didn't have it. 
in which case Bigelow would have or, or his research team. And, and it's just to me, that was the, the biggest miss of the documentary. And maybe it just wasn't available to him, you know, that, and yeah. that's fine. But but it's something I would really, really like to see that. No, I, I agree. It seems like something that was just sort of begging. And, and again, we talked about this one word with Broga, but I feel like overall in terms of new footage, uh, the, the the documentary was, was lacking in to some degree. I mean, there were shots of sort of anomalous weather phenomena. And again, I come back to the fact that I think that the, the cattle mutilation was, was really quite impactful for me. Uh, but it feels like there's a lot of stuff that, uh, that is, is missing in a sense. I also feel, and, and uh, Chris, you might be able to speak to this a little bit better than I can, but um, I've always, uh, a lot of my, in addition to the, to how highly I think of George Knapp, a lot of my um, interest in skinwalkers has been, has rested on the fact that Jacques Vallée was invited out to, to uh, be on site. And I find the lack of commentary from Vallée, unless I've missed something uh, to be kind of conspicuously silent uh, in this sort of flurry of activity and discussion of the skinwalker ranch. And I know that he sort of, he sort of stepped away from ufology and such, but I, I, I always thought that I always had the sense that he was privy to some things that he wasn't at liberty to share. And now that it seems like, you know, that, that uh, gag order has sort of been lifted. It's interesting to me that, uh, that he hasn't really said anything or that no one's pressed him for anything. Yeah. I haven't heard anything that he has wanted to come forward with any more anecdotes or data. It's much the same thing with John Alexander. He'll give a blanket statement that he's given 10 years ago that, yes, we, we studied the phenomenon. It, it, it had trickster elements to the point where we do X, it would do Y, and we could never get it to repeat the same thing. Or it would go dormant and not do anything for a long periods of time. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Soraya, is there anything that you wanted to add? Uh, not that I can think of, really. For people who may not know, so much. It, Jeez. It, 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 it has been a while since I read the Skinwalker book. I mean, when I when I read it, it it had a big effect on me because it was it was. You know, I've always thought there's a connection between all this stuff, and here in Skinwalker Ranch, you have evidence of that connection. Uh, so, you know that in that effect, the the book was very important to my understanding of this stuff. The documentary, I think, would have been great if it came out when the book came out. Coming out now, I feel like it's uh, lackluster. You know, like there should have been more to it. Um, not that it was badly done or anything like that. It wasn't I, I, taste wise. I wasn't o- overly thrilled with the way it was done, but as far as like, you know, impartially it, it was a well done documentary. It just, uh, I expected a lot more out of it. I expected to see a lot more stuff and they, it was just a smattering of a few things and it was kind of like, Oh, that's it. Okay, great. I feel kind of let down. Yeah, it, it. I mean, as as a watcher, and and I'll go ahead and say that, like, I like the documentary. I think I think a lot of people are being needlessly harsh to uh, about that documentary because I think they wanted like some kind of perfect paranormal documentary, given that it's about Skinwalker Ranch, and I don't think anyone can make the perfect paranormal well, documentary. And but to, to to be fair and to play devil's advocate, I feel like that that in some of the ways was how it was high. Uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and and again, I'll say I, I, feel like, I feel like I feel like we were led to believe that was what was going to happen. Yeah, I, and, and I'll say I, I generally liked it. That said, 
my it felt like they spent one night on the ranch filmed everything in that one night and and my thing was like they should have spent weeks on that filming just you know it's, it felt like one night around the campfire let's let's bring in uh british pop star man and and get george knapp out there <laughs> and i can't remember names sorry i know he's a british pop star but uh, uh, robbie williams the, re- yeah. the reason why they brought him out there is uh jeremy and uh george knapp did not want to be the bait anymore they figured that he had supposedly has been like uh, not so much an experiencer but he's seen you know a ufo supposedly and they felt hmm, here's an interesting guy let's bring him and let's see if anything happens <laughs> And that in the really world wouldn't points. miss Robbie Williams either, right? Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like don't don't put Tom Waits out in the field. Good Lord, please don't do that. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Well, it seems like the filmmaker was just kind of making the movie that Nap was supposed to make. That's that's the impression I got. Yeah. Yeah, to a certain degree. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway for me, and I'm going to get roasted here a little bit, but it's okay. I, I, I like that a little bit. Um, is I think that the reason, and I understand where Sarai is coming from. He wishes it would have came out when the book came out, and it would have had more oomph to it. But I think it's it was much needed at this time because we're starting to understand that the military, the DIA programs, the DOD programs, the BAS program. They were a precursor to OSWAP, which the, the money from OSWAP was funded into ATIP. The ATIP program is the one that is famously now been out there from To the Stars. But all that lead, all the roads lead back to Skinwalker Ranch. It all got started at Skinwalker Ranch. If, really? the, if the DIA had not, if that's because honestly, of Bigelow's if, involvement. No, here the true story is Harry Reid is a guy who's a UFO nut in secret that he does like around other people in you know the government. He's not so much uh, uh, wanting to talk about this, but he felt a, a need that this was something that they needed to look into. So he appropriated some money to Bigelow, and he knew that Bigelow was going to be the best. A course of action because Bigelow was willing to uh, house the material, uh, have the scientists, and basically Bigelow would have in-house scientists. They wouldn't have to hire government scientists. He could have his own. And Which he, he could had be already the, done with Skinwalker Ranch. For, exactly. NIDS, uh, yeah. National Institute and of Discovery was, Science was all, that was all yes. his thing. His yeah, baby. and then yeah. Bass, which that's bass is an interesting thing because it has some links to MUFON. Not a lot of people know this. And I only became aware of this in the, this last couple months because of a source I have here in Michigan, Michigan. Uh, she basically had said that there was rumblings in MUFON in the late two thousands, like 2007, 2008, 2009, early you know, I guess early mid two thousands, that there was a MUFON program. You know, the Star Team, the Rapid Response Team, that would go on the ground, and if there was a UFO reported, that big when Bigel owned MUFON, well, those people also signed a non disclosure agreement and were 
given military or government money, I should say. So not a lot of people realize that. And all that is because of Skinwalker Ranch and because of Harry Reid basically starting that whole entire thing up. So Oswap was the money funneler to ATIP. ATIP was the one that basically looked at anomalous area vehicles, whether they were a threat or anything that had to do with military uh, over radar, um, nuclear installations, stuff like that, went through ATIP. So that's why I think Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp really wanted to get that documentary done to show that really Skinwalker Ranch is a linchpin of all that. If that makes any the sense. The precursor. Basically. Yes. Yeah. No, I could see that only from the fact that of Bigelow's involvement. In all or the were they jealous of To the Stars Academy and the Blink-182 guy, so they had to bring Robbie Williams in and make their <laughs> own thing? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there could be a little bit of that in there, Tim. You could be right. Because it's like it's uh, uh, celebrities becoming interested in in this material, which there's nothing wrong with that, you know. I know a couple very famous paranormal authors uh, who would, who would be happy to be funded for something like that if if there's funding available. Yeah, I would assume that both of those are on the line right now. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know a couple of podcasts that would like that too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. So, yeah. So. Where to go from with this from here? I was thinking for people who don't know, just if anyone could give a basic background of so there's this family that had all these experiences there. Yeah. It was written up in a, a newspaper article which attracted Bigelow, who is a billionaire uh involved with the defense industry. Right. He was a, I think he was he made his money in hotels, I think. Yeah. See, yeah, that's the interesting thing. At the time he wasn't though. At the time, yeah. he was just a real no. estate guy. Right. Yep. That's what, yeah, exactly. So this yeah. is kind of his entrance in that. Okay. Bigelow Airspace and all his involvement in that stuff comes after Skinwalker, which, yeah. I mean, you know, put on your crazy guy conspiracy hats, but it yeah. certainly sounds interesting. You know, it's, it's a, an interesting fact. It, was he being used as a, uh, a surrogate? <laughs> I think that's uh, sort of the implied question in a way. To basically because, you know, there was this government FOIA. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. I mean, yeah, you're not going to be able to get... That's why so many UFO researchers, uh, Jack Brewer, are so angry that they're never going to be able to see uh, the NIDS or BASS, all the BASS documents. You're just not going to. He, Like in the documentary, he gave money to UFO organizations, a lot of money, and they effed up, and they did. That's their problem. So he got tired of it. He hired his own scientist. He funded his own stuff, and he did his own thing. And people are hating on him for that. I, I don't understand that. It's called jealousy in my world, but well, why know, not? Maybe. When you have the money to do it, and you have exactly. the resources, why not just do it yourself? Yeah, I, I we know that's what he did. I simply call that the paranormal community, not jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one one of my listeners after we did the show pointed out in the uh, in the book there is a comment. Uh, 
Looks like it's on page 12. The Gorman family was more intent on savoring the beauty of the environment, the out-of-the-way location of the ranch, and the certainty that they could raise their children in rural surroundings with a value of hard work and family life which supplant the small-town sniping and gossip they loathed in New Mexico. Um, and that kind of suggests that maybe they had some issues that they were leaving. And I think I think that's the the big unspoken thing in the new documentary that we, I was sort of hoping to, to, to hear about part, is because I, we didn't catch that last part, Soraya. Oh, it, it, how far? Uh, where the uh, small the, town sniping? When they yeah they got when they left their community. Yeah, they may have had some issues. He said. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and to me, I, I think that the more you look at these, the more you look at people who experience a lot of these things, not all the time, but a lot of these things, there is some sort of component that is, um, there's some sort of anti-structural component in their life. This is, this is me taking a, you know, a page from the Jeff Ritzman handbook, but, um, I, I feel like that's the big uninvestigated component to, to uh, the whole Skinwalker narrative is that no one has ever really said, well, like, you know, was the mom cheating on the husband? You know, was the, uh, what sort of issues were the, were the kids having, you know, what, you know, like what, what sort of, I mean, of course I think you can get liminality pareidolia, which I think Tim and I have talked about in the past, but, uh, <laughs> but um, at the same time, I feel like that's an important component that has that no one has really gone into because we're still stuck in this idea that the phenomena itself is somehow, completely uh separated from from uh the witness and that's just not the case i'm pretty con- convinced of that, that at this point yeah what was going on in their personal lives before what right. was happening to them did they come into this environment and then not saying that they were hallucinating or anything but saying that they came into this environment and then it was a perfect storm mm-hmm. the kind of co-creation between them and the environment well, and whatever was there already. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, per- perfect example. And this is one of the things that uh, gets talked about as one of the sort of seminal skinwalker moments. Uh, the husband and wife were talking about how there's been a lot of strange stuff around the ranch. They hope that nothing happens to their prize bulls. And they return shortly thereafter, after departing the property and coming back. Um, and again, I'm not, the, the the small details conflated, but um, they return and the bulls like was it like four or five of them have been crammed to a trailer that not only um would have been impossible to get the bulls into uh, if you know they had deliberately tried, but the uh, the lock and the door still had cobwebs over them, which suggests that you know there was no way that that act actually opened up. And once they actually they you know where they were terrified because they just mentioned the fact that they were you know afraid of something happening to these very expensive animals and uh you know once they located them they were in sort of a daze until they for whatever reason snapped out of it and uh ended up basically from if memory serves tearing the entire trailer apart so um again i I think the thing that people aren't talking about and i think you might have mentioned this soraya uh, you sort of got me thinking about this. What people are talking about is the fact that that entire episode started with, I hope nothing happens to our bulls. And then it happens. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's not only classic trickster, but it also reeks of some degree of psi phenomena. But uh, for whatever reason, people aren't, aren't, aren't really thinking about that. Well, it almost seems responsive. You know, it's like, it, it's like a kid who doesn't quite understand. Well, I hope nothing happened to our bulls. Okay. Well, let's put them in this, this place where they can be safe, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> or saying, you know, we can do what we want. You, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there, there's nothing that, you know, you can hope all you want that we don't touch your bulls, but we can do exactly what we want with, with you and with them and with anything. But they didn't harm the bulls. Not the bulls and not no. that time. <laughs> no. The, and and, the, uh, and also when, when when it comes down to the mutilations and stuff, I pointed this out on on where the road go, you know, it's it's you don't see human mutilations like this. I mean, there are people who cover human mutilations and will say that they're the same thing as cattle mutilations. But at least on the Skinwalker Ranch, you had cattle mutilations, you had the dogs killed, but the people were unharmed, which suggests that the phenomena treats these things differently. Because if it if it saw us all as the same, it would have killed a person, you know, but for whatever reason, it didn't. It only killed the animals. I have a small anecdote where the DIA, when they were sending officers to the site, some of the officers had hitchhikers go home with them. Not only that, but some of them suffered from psychological trauma and were never quite right afterwards. And I don't, I know that that was written about in some of the papers that uh, George Knapp released maybe a couple months ago, the Bass papers um, that were out there on Facebook. But this phenomenon, whatever it is, can do whatever it wants, however it wants. And I don't know why it doesn't hurt humans, but it can psychologically hurt you, Mm -hmm. which is crazy um to the point where people are leaving that site and um never being quite right uh or there's the story of the gentleman who begged to get on the ranch he was like a hippie and he said god was calling him to the ranch they finally said oh, fine yeah. you could come on to the ranch I remember he this. goes in to the pen or to the 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 field and he sits Indian style and he starts meditating. And from what I, I've, I think George Nampa said the, on the floor camera, camera, the forward looking infrared camera, it seemed like from the movie predator where it was that like uh, backwards camouflage coming down from the tree. And this thing that looked like a lion, but you couldn't tell it was a lion because it was, you know, like the movie predator, uh, with the camouflage, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it went right up to the guy's face, roared. The guy hopped out, jumped the fence, and he said, "The devil lives here. The devil lives here." And he just booked out of there. And well, yeah, and I mean, you talk about the things following people home, but there's also a lot of people that went there, including George Knapp, that nothing happened to at all. Yeah, I, I honestly think if you go there expecting something you're not going to that's not how it works if you go there just loosey goosey Mm -hmm. you may have something happen Uh, i can i tell the ryan skinner story now yeah yeah go ahead absolutely so ryan skinner who of those of who you don't if you don't know him he's a skinwalker ranch uh, investigator uh for a very long time very well respected he was outside the ranch sitting in his truck and he was just surveying the area, the Uton Basin, basically, uh, or the area around the Skinwalker Ranch. And he dozed off for a second, woke up, and he just felt weird. He didn't feel normal. And he flipped down the mirror just to see his face. It was at night. 
and you couldn't see his face. He completely could not. He could see out like you can see, but he could not see his face in the mirror at all. Like it was gone. So then he was like, what do I do? What do I do? So he starts driving back towards town because he's freaking out at this point. And he gets pulled over by the sheriff's deputy in the county. And they pull him over and he's saying to them, I can't see my face. Well, they think immediately that he's drunk. So they give him a breathalyzer. It comes back negative. Or something. <laughs> yeah. It comes back negative And he tells them, you know, I've been like working around Skinwalker Ranch surveilling it. And they're like, yeah, you shouldn't be messing with that place. And at that point, they just left him be. And the next morning, he woke up. He got home. He woke up and his face was, you know, he could see his face again. And the only reason why I know about the story is because he, he recited to one of my fellow colleagues at the premiere in Las Vegas uh, of the Skinwalker Ranch movie. It just happened to him a couple of weeks ago. So not that long ago. So this can definitely do some wild things to people. Why does it hurt them physically? I don't know. That'd be, yeah, I don't know. But definitely did there's he, a psychological effect. Did he check for bite marks on his neck? Because that sounds like he turned into a vampire if you can't see himself <laughs> in the mirror. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, my my kingdom for somebody to actually have the stones to go out there and take five dried grams in the silent darkness of <laughs> Skinwalker Ranch and, and see what happens. Like I think that would be I think that would, sounds like a good I, I hear a road trip coming up. That's, uh, that's a good joint conspiratorial slash where did the road go road trip. Uh, right. yeah. is, as, is this a challenge? And I this think is, so. I'll, yeah. I'll be the sitter. I'll be the sitter for you guys. No, no, no. Serfio's bringing the orange juice. So, so, but, but the thing is, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm half, I'm half serious and half not. Um, but like, and, and, and the thing that like everybody was clamoring for was some sort of, and the thing that it, that Twitter paranormal Twitter has been so obnoxious about for the past month is um, that somehow there was going to be some sort of scientific big capital P proof from all this. And that's just not the case. And that's the same sort of thing that you'd hear from people who object to an idea of actually going out onto the ranch and taking entheogens. But I think that's exactly what you need to do. And that's exactly the sort of setting. And I think it would be really, it would be interesting to, to, to see what could be gleaned from that. If I see Pinhead from Hellraiser, I'm just not going to be very happy. You hear the black helicopter? <laughs> well, the, the other thing is, is that I was hoping that this documentary would, I don't want to turn this into, because we've already, God knows this is my third documentary, third podcast, rather talking about the documentary. I don't want to turn this into the, what should have happened or shouldn't have happened sort of podcast. But I feel like even this, stuff that wasn't in the book, you've been getting trickles of other odd things happening at Skinwalker, and I thought some of that might get addressed. Some other odd entities, other odd forms, other odd sort of phenomena, and yeah, none of that got talked about. Mm-hmm. Again, it's, I think... I was just going to say, and I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, because I did talk to Jeremy two or three times since the movie has come out, and basically what he told me is, again, it was for the person on the street who knows nothing about the subject matter. That's who he was 
trying to target. He was not trying to target people like us, which is totally fine in my yeah, I get that, yeah. I mean, yeah. you have to go for as many people as you can. I mean, if you just go for the niche, it's not going to do very well. You well, know, you're not going to get your movies made. So, however, I have had a, at least one listener tell me he tried to watch it with his father, who knew nothing about it, and his father was so completely lost he asked him to turn it off. Well, I well. I, I don't know. And, and, I, and, and I felt like it didn't really cover, like, I felt like it fell in between that. Like, you had to know at least a little bit about it to enjoy the documentary. But if you had read the book, you were probably just going, yep, know all this, heard these stories, you know. Well, like, people, it would have been great. It would have been great had they had a video or even a picture of the cows inside that 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 yeah. uh, trailer. That would have been amazing. Well, yeah, just like we were saying, like the the footage of the the cameras, you know, yeah, that you couldn't see being cut. There's a lot of missed opportunities, and and that's what makes me wonder if he just didn't have access to all that stuff. Possibly. You know, uh, if he it, had if access. It to- now, at the same time, as as someone who does a lot of creative stuff for a living, it is so easy to you know to sit in the restaurant and say this sandwich sucks. <laughs> you know, I mean, like it's you know, it's 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 so easy. It's so easy to it's so easy to criticize a project this big, and I I think that we really should address the fact that um, it it doesn't feel nothing about it feels amateurish, and uh, no. and it, uh, it 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 is not. <laughs> Your randomly selected UFO documentary off Netflix is going to be a thousand times worse than this, with the exception of Mirage Men, which is like my favorite. Um, But yeah, 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 no, exactly, and that's why, like, I, you know, I've I've said it here, I've said it other places. I, I think it, you know, it falls on the side of a good documentary. Is it perfect? No. Could someone make the perfect paranormal documentary? I doubt it. Um, So you know, uh, genuinely, I I think they did a good job. It's just you know there, there are missed opportunities, which I. I'm just you know pondering that is not the director's fault for missing those opportunities. I think he wanted to make it seem like he had access to everything, and and I'm kind of thinking, well, maybe he didn't have access to everything. That that's all I'm saying. Like, it's right. it's, it's right. much more interesting to say, like, oh, I've got all this secret information, rather than say, well, I got some information. You know, <laughs> they didn't give me all well, of it. I'll say this: that the part that frustrated me, and and it really isn't even really a critique of the documentary. It's just a critique of the attitude of some of the people in the documentary. When they're interviewing the new owner and you've got him in silhouette, and I've said this before, you've got him in silhouette, you've you've got his voice modulated and disguised, and he says, this is the most amazing thing. This is going to change everything. And my, my frustration with that, and it's just the frustration that I have, if it's a government that says it or a corporation that says that kind of thing, why aren't you sharing it for free for everybody? That's my main gripe, I right. think, with the whole thing. That's, well, that that and how many times have we heard that before? Exactly. That's, right. that's exactly what I was going to say. That's the guy who says, hey, I've got Bigfoot in my freezer. Just wait. I'll show you in a couple of days. In the meantime, <laughs> well, join, join my website. The only thing I can say is ATIP and OSWAP are still ongoing programs, despite what people like. And I love them, but I couldn't disagree more. 
from the, the sources and the people that I've talked to and the documents I've seen, Jack Brewer is wrong. ATIP, OSWAP are very much still going on and still conducting studies of this phenomenon at Skinwalker Ranch and other places here in the U.S. and around the world. And maybe yep. that's why they're tight-lipped. But at the same time, they're not tight-lipped because obviously we've had this this I call it tsunami since December 16th, and it's kind of changed the, in my opinion, the published public's consciousness of this subject a little bit. Now, some people would disagree with me. That's fine. I'll disagree with them. I think it has. Uh, I've I, seen yeah, it. I'm one of those people who would disagree. I don't see anything changing and they didn't reveal anything they've given us a bunch of crappy videos that didn't show us anything we haven't seen before how is that how is that a tsunami yep. of change because soraya we've had news articles one to two a week since december 16th and then we've had i just pulled up the newsweek article talking about oswap and atip mm-hmm. in regards to skinwalker ranch today from back what was it march so we've had a steady, a steady stream of stuff coming out. Now, some people would say those videos are terrible. I disagree. You show me a time in history where we've gotten three declassified videos of anomalous aerial vehicles. We haven't. Okay? that's We haven't. And what does it uh, tell us? It tells us that they're studying this. Now We do that. Well, not and, and, and the programs yeah. we know about are probably the most visible as opposed to the stuff we don't know about that we're never going to know about that probably knows a hell of a lot more. Well, I would agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. But it's a start. OK, it, that's I think what, it's a psyop. I no. think it's because it's the it, same people involved that have done it before. It's the same game. It has a slightly different face on it. It's the same game. They're not ever going to tell us anything. Sarai, I could totally disagree. And uh, uh, yeah, we can agree pod- to disagree, guys. I that's know. the way it goes. I know. Yeah, well, that's, that's I, fine. I, yeah. I, after the podcast is done, I'll share with some stuff that I know that I cannot reveal to everybody out there in podcast land right now. But I'll, I'll be sharing that with you, you know, at the end of the podcast. That Yes, there is changes coming, brother. See, but that's what that's what you said the last time we talked at the end of uh, last year. You said, "Wait to the beginning of 2018; it's going to be earth shattering." And then we got it like, has crappy. been. There's a, what's been right. earth shattering? Show me <laughs> one earth shattering thing. We got a couple of videos that, yeah, okay, that's fine. There's, it's not like we haven't seen this stuff before. We and they're not telling us what they are, uh, and that's I, for all we so, know, they could be test craft. That they're just doing this as a psyop so that people don't realize we have this type of technology. I'm I'm going to interject here before, <laughs> just right right quick, uh, because on the one hand, like yeah, yes, I agree that this feels like you know uh, one thing. Uh, Karl Popper has talked about was the empty promissory note of materials, and this feels like the empty promissory note of, of ufology. Like it's always going to happen, going to happen, going to happen. At the same time, um, any. Like mainstream press that starts to talk about Jacques Vallée and starts to talk about uh, non-ETH things, even though uh, you know, I, I, I feel like that's that's a step forward for the discussion. And that New York sure. Times piece in December 
whether it was done for, you know, um, surreptitious means, if it is part of a slap or if it was done in a, in sort of an earnest way, either way, it's elevated the discussion in a way that we haven't seen in a long time from what I can gather. Yeah. And, and the, the, the thing that is frustrating is I want people to keep talking about it. Like when the whole New York times thing came out, my dad asked me about that and he could care less about any of this stuff. And so that's just the difference to me. But now I just don't see that 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 happening as much. Like it, they they still need to put. I think there's still the if they're going to prove that we're dealing with something genuinely mysterious, then they need to put out they need to put out more information. As funny as that sounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, 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 I, let's. I, let's Let's also look at the last paragraph of that Newsweek article you posted. It says, uh, outlandish claims of poltergeists, reality-distorting encounters, alien alloys, and groundbreaking technologies demand a subsequently high burden of proof. Disclosure of actual evidence could prove the difference between a radically new understanding of humanity's place in the universe and just another wasteful Department of Defense defense budget line item. That's not really a positive spin on UFOs. But it's Newsweek, and Newsweek, for me, is a step in the right direction. At least we're not in the weekly world news. Okay, True, true. So, it also goes off about uh, Harold Putoff being on, involved with it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's I, not an over... It starts out like as a fairly good article, and then it just kind of downs everything halfway through. The, the most interesting thing about that article to me is that they're connecting poltergeist activity, UFOs, paranormal phenomena, and stuff like that, which... Be, you know, other right. people have been doing for a very long time, but you don't see it in normal mainstream articles. Right. I will just say we have now from that Tic Tac event, we have in Joshua's in this group, a secret group on Facebook. We had two witnesses that were one was on the Princeton and one was on the Nimitz. And they could attest the Tic Tac stuff is for real. And that the guy on the Princeton, his name's Kevin Day. He's been out there on on like paranormal radio. I think he did a show on KGRA with uh, John Burroughs. He has had since that more paranormal and more UFO related stuff happening to him. He's opening up, and I'll just say the other gentleman who was on the Nimitz. He said that was happening for two weeks, and the people in the Nimitz knew that this was happening, and that's part of the reason why they went out during the time to try to see if they could get a response. So those two guys, one's Gary Voorhees, another one's Kevin Day, two witnesses, more coming forward. I know the name of the other FA-18 pilot. I'm not going to give it here, but I know of his name. I follow him on Twitter. He was David Fravor's wingman. Uh, so we do know that the stuff is real. Yeah, I wasn't. It's, I wasn't questioning that. that I know, that's not, but I, I but, believe that's a real video. I have that doesn't that doesn't strike me as a fake video. What it is, however, it. It's right. meaningless because it's just a video. It's like, great, we, we know this stuff already exists, so seeing a video of it that doesn't actually give us any answers doesn't mean anything. Well, we will be getting more answers here shortly. That's, That's all I said can say. last year. 
Well, Farai, I can't without getting into the great detail. I can just tell you, I, I'm telling you, more stuff is coming out. You can yell and scream all you want. I love you, brother. I love your show. But I'm telling you, more is coming out. <laughs> this this would be a great great place to disclose any information you have. Um, I'm not willing to burn bridges just yet, and that's see that's the part of it is like Jack Brewer uh, and I have gone back and forth on Twitter about this how he says there's no evidence and this is a government psyop or whatever. And Walter Bosley really went off the deep end with me. I, I still like him, but he banned or blocked me on all social media because he gets so mad with me. Um, I, from me working my sources um, and getting as close as I could to, to the stars and ATIP and people within ATIP, I can definitely tell you this is real. This is this is happening. It's just a slow government's a slow like freighter. We're in a speedy boat. We want everything fast. Well, that's not how things work. Hey. And it, it, they have to do things methodically. Chris, and they can't do. Well, let's, about, let's just say it this way. Yeah, but you don't feel it appropriate. You don't feel it's appropriate for you to reveal this stuff. Is that what you're saying? No, because I don't want to burn my bridges. That's how I've gotten okay. information that's been correct. Is there you know, any I, any kind of little nugget you can toss us that'll uh um uh, um <laughs> Soraya's gonna roast me <laughs> if I'm wrong. Um and that's fine. Maybe we can come back in January and we'll talk about this again. But look to January of twenty nineteen where we will get more answers, more stuff from ATIP, Oswap, and I hate to say this, to the stars. Um, we will getting, we'll be getting more detail, more information, and there'll be some more movement, um, of what I'm not going to get into that, but we will see some more stuff happening. Okay. And well, all right. So we'll, yeah, we, we'll, we'll be looking for that, but what, right. what I want to kind of get onto here with you guys is because Tim, you especially, cause you know, you are been investigating the site seven place and with all these weird occur- occurrences. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's talk about, you know, that, that the, this is not the only place Skinwalker ranch that has weird stuff happen. This is not unusual really. Cause you think about someplace like Rendlesham forest, you know, right. where a lot of I weird mean- stuff happens. Uh, the place that, you know, I, I can think of, we were talking about today, Serfiel and I were talking about the Bell Witch. And we we had come independently to the conclusion that there's a lot of similarity between what happened on the Skinwalker Ranch and what happened with that legend of the Bell Witch here in Tennessee. If you guys are, I don't know how many of you guys are familiar with that. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah sure. But. That is, um, and it, incidentally, with the Bell Witch, it started off with somebody seeing a wolf-like creature. <laughs> so, you know, we're definitely dealing with more than one area. So I kind of want to address that, too. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, it's almost expected sometimes. So, so, so that, just to give an example, I do, you know, a lot of Bigfoot investigations locally, and most of them are uh, roadside crossing. Somebody, somebody saw it. They were driving. They saw it alongside the road. Or they saw it cross the road. That's that's true all over the place. 
uh, hunters see them. And those two, those two instances, they will insist it's a, it's, it's a, just a creature. It's just an ape. It's a, it's a, some kind of hominid, but the cases where you get somebody saying they have multiple interactions with it, either on their own property or other places, I guarantee you it's going to get weird. And it does. And uh, the, the one case I have where, you know, I went and, and uh, investigated, the guy's got ghost activity. He's got poltergeist activity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he did not. No, he did mention he has weird lights in the woods and uh, and he's seeing Bigfoot, too. So it's all this stuff is ganged up. And, you know, so it seems like I don't want to say it's more often than not because it's not because most often, again, taking Bigfoot as an example, most often people just see, you know, a creature and that's what they report. But when it's these multiple encounters and then, then you start, the phenomenon starts ganging up. And uh, I mean, it's unusual to have, I think, the the prolonged documented uh, thing that, that went on at, at Skinwalker. It's, you know, it's very well documented and it's apparently very prolonged and, and so forth. But it, you know, it does happen other places. It certainly does. I would add the Chestnut Ridge, the Hyobachu Forest. The place in Michigan I to- I've told you guys about before. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was about to ask you so, about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, Marley Woods too is is sort of the, one of the great unspoken things. Even though nothing has ever really come out about that, um, I remember there was a lot of talk about it being a Skinwalker esque sort of spot as well. Point Pleasant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where is Marley Woods? Here. Marley Woods is in Missouri. Uh, if you want to look it up, you can find out about it. Um, I remember hearing, I can't even remember the researcher, but it was somebody that I, I thought of a lot a lot of, rather, at the time. Ted Phillips? Um, e- e- yes. Maybe it was Ted. It sounds, it sounds right. Um, yeah. But uh, it, it had a lot of similar activity with like strange hooded figures and a lot of just anomalous lights and hairy hominids and that sort of thing as well. Um but again, something that's interesting that um, not to completely derail this 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 topic, but uh, I found it very interesting, and I, I sort of half agree with this and half don't. Um, it was proposed by, by Knapp and Corbell on Greg Bishop's Radio Mysterioso that every everywhere is a mini Skinwalker Ranch. It's just the amplitude of the phenomena and the frequency might not be as pronounced as it is at Skinwalker, um, and I find that really exciting and sort of re-enchanting of the world sort of way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I would agree because, because uh, especially if it's reactive or it's co-creative in any sort of way, then, then that would very much be true, you know? Right. Yeah. Me and Adam were talking earlier about how, I mean, the, the Unita basin is so huge and then you've got other places right in the same area. They're supposed to be hotbeds. And like, I've spent my childhood in the Southwest and it's like, you know, I mean, it seems like the whole damn Southwest is a is a hotbed. So it's how, how much of this is really you know localizing these small places. I understand though that, like you said, it could you know there's a lot more frequency in in some certain spots, but it seems like the the whole area is very active. Yeah, I would also add, what is the connection to Native Americans in all these areas? Because they all have a connection to all these hotbeds. Oh, I, I I could wax philosophical about that for the next half hour if y'all got time. <laughs> I, mean, I did want to ask you, uh, Josh, because I know uh, I, I listened to you on Radio Mysterioso talk about that and how it's kind of 
how some of it kind of rubs you wrong with it. It kind of seems exploitative of like the Native American mythology and stuff. And and I would agree. And in researching uh, the the ranch. I've been looking into this, you know, supposed nap keeps on talking about this supposed Navajo curse on the Utes. And I yeah. can't, was that Rarity of Mysterioso or Rune Soup? Um, I think it was, it might've been Rune Soup actually. Okay. Yeah. And, okay. uh, so, but I can't find like anything on this supposed curse besides, uh, naps saying that the Joseph Jr. Hicks guy, who I guess was a friend and writer along with the Salisbury guy wrote the Utah UFO books. Uh, but I can't find anything else about the supposed curse. And it didn't make sense to me because the Utes hadn't been to that, that they, they were put on that reservation in the 1880s, I believe. And right. their dealings with the Diné people, which would have caused this curse down in Southern Colorado would have took place way before that during the Spanish times. So it just, it didn't really make sense. And I couldn't find this, this supposed curse anywhere else besides just things that led back to Knapp and Joseph Hicks. Right. So, I mean, so uh, the, the ironic thing is after that interview, I got accused of being a social justice warrior, which anybody who knows me politically, <laughs> it's like one of the most hilarious <laughs> things right, right. Ever, I've ever been accused of. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's awkward because the the, the Navajo themselves um, displace indigenous people. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just something that doesn't get talked about a lot. But um, so so it's sort of how, how far back do we want to, you know, cast dispersions? Having said that, um, to me. Me, it seems like I have a real problem with people who find out what strange anomalous aspect of a culture and say that everything that happens within that culture must be one thing. Now, I realize the irony of me saying this is being Mister, you know, Mister Fairy Lord over here, but at the same time, I realize that like Fairy Lord doesn't account for stories of the we vampires. We almost got through the entire show stories. without mentioning fairies. <laughs> But at the same time, I realize that, you know, fairy lore doesn't, doesn't account for stories of vampires. Fairy lore doesn't necessarily account for stories of ghosts or, uh, you know, even necessarily angelic deities. It, uh, it, it, it can account for a lot of those things, but not all of them. And I feel like a lot of people heard about skinwalkers basically being Navajo witches and they lash onto this as a catch all for everything while disregarding simultaneously the fact that indigenous belief systems might have other explanations or, you know, explanations alongside um, the skinwalker phenomena to explain some of the things that were happening, you know, at, at the ranch. And that's, that's a lot of what I have, uh, I have sort of pushed back against because it just, it feels reductive and it sort of feels like you're throwing up your hands to say, Oh, it's, it's skinwalkers. That's it's all it's, it's just skinwalkers. Well, you know, you're not, you're not saying, you know, again, the difference between like, what I try to do with fairy lore is to say, well, this has a precedent in fairy lore. I don't think that structured craft have a precedent in skinwalker lore. I don't think that, um, uh, well, I mean, uh, honestly, a lot of the other stuff might, but, <laughs> but, but you get the idea. Like it, 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 it seems, it seems just, it seems like you're sort of uh, caving into a, a possible explanation without really exploring other possibilities. Coke, uh, uh, that coincide with that particular explanation, which might be part of the puzzle. So I, I think there's something else going on with this, and this is going to be uh, potentially dangerous territory. Uh, people w might get mad. So let me go ahead and say 
I think exploring what Native Americans have to say and exploring their folklore and their mythology is incredibly important. They were here a long time before us. We need to do that. We need to take into account what they say. That's important. Yeah. However, in the paranormal field, there is the equivalent of what Spike Lee called the magical black man, and that's mm-hmm. the magical red man. Oh yeah. And that is if you can if a paranormal researcher can get a Native American to talk on any subject, it becomes gospel. Absolutely. That's, that's true. Yeah. And and if we can take again, I just know Bigfoot better. If we can just take Bigfoot as an example, and you look what the different tribes have to say about Bigfoot across the country, you get a, a magical being that comes from other places. You get another type of human. You get uh, an animal. You get guardian of the forest. You get uh, scary kidnapper of, of women and children. Uh, you know, evil being. Beware. You get this kind guardian. You get stone giants. So basically, what you have it, by different names completely mirrors the modern Bigfoot community where people say it's an mm. interdimensional creature. It's a natural animal. It's a, it's a different form of human, et cetera, et cetera. They, yes, absolutely. We need to explore their myths. We need to take into account everything they say. It's, it is incredibly important. However, they're just as confused as we are as far as, you know, what they're saying they're, they're, They don't have an answer for it. They just have other words for it. Yeah. Yeah. They, they don't have, that's like, just because they've been around longer, we think of them as being authoritative on the subject, and maybe yeah, it's, just it's, not. I mean, it's, it's completely magical, red man. I see it all the yeah. time. We're just like, well, and I, I know this Native American, and they said, and then, well, that's cool, that's great. It's another piece of information. It's not gospel. Yeah, yeah, and they get they get treated as like a, a monolithic kind of thing, and not their own histories and complexities don't get understood. Exactly right. Well, I think that's a good place to end it, guys. Uh, this has been very, very good, very enlightening. Uh, let's go down the line here and tell everybody where they can uh, find you guys. And uh, Chris, we'll start with you. Uh, I don't have a website. I don't have any books. I'm not a promoter of anything. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter. Okay. And Josh? Um, JoshuaCutchen.com. Uh, check me out on Where Did the Road Go? And uh, I have three books that, if you're listening to this, you probably already know about. So, <laughs> if you like, if you, if you don't think I'm full of crap, <laughs> go check it out on my website. And Tim, if anybody wants to cash you outside, what uh, where will they find you? <laughs> cash me outside at strangefamiliars.com. That's a great place to uh, to contact me. All, all the contact information goes right there. I have three books as well because uh, I'm not letting Josh outpace me in that department. Oh, it's um, a competition now, is it? Uh, well, although, although. We, we do have an announcement. Yes. Well, let's do that. You want to make it a, you want to make it Tim? Well, uh, we're expecting. (laughs) (laughs) Keep in mind, this will be posted next week. So you may have already made this announcement somewhere else. So I'm not sure. Oh, no, this this is definitely the first place. I don't don't expect that we're going to be talking about it a ton elsewhere. But uh, Tim and I are uh, collaborating on a book, which will hopefully be the definitive weird Bigfoot book. It takes into account. All the weird stuff with Bigfoot, which this is just, you know, all the, all the strange lights, all the, all the weird stuff that goes along with the phenomenon. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And, and no, no fairy lore in there at all. 
problem. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that is a lie. Liar. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the biggest oh. lie ever. <laughs> when you get that done, well, I'm going to have to have Tim on for his next book, and so we'll have to have you guys on for that too. So that'd be awesome. And Soraya, where can people find you? Oh, com. You can find Ooh. me on Facebook. Uh, I don't use Twitter a lot, but I am on there. Uh, yeah, that's probably the best the best place. And 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 sorry if I was getting a little aggressive there, uh, Chris. Wasn't trying to be a jerk or no, anything. No, no, dude, it's all good. I still love you like a brother. <laughs> it's a love I'm fest, just, guys. But, 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 it's a but love am, fest. But I am going to hold you to stuff. So. That's fine. And if, I, you, I, if you say January, we'll see what happens in January. Yeah, the stuff I've seen January. Look to January. All right. Okay. Well, I guess we'll, we'll leave it at there. Thank you, guys. And we will be back for to close out the show with just us on Conspiranormal. You do not look like a Star Trek character headed for the stars. No, no, I don't. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 what was it? That was an interesting um, conversation there. It was. I'm still trying to figure out what that movie was about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because uh, you tried to watch it, right? I did. The intro was like, in my defense, intro was like 15 minutes long, and it it was like it encompassed everything that was kind of uh fringy all in one about this this location that i don't know anything about i know the term skinwalker i know a lot about uh ufo you know alien phenomena i know a lot about there's just so many bizarre things connected to this that it's just it's kind of like this um it's like a fruit salad of paranormal like it's paranormal weirdness yeah yeah and then you fell asleep. And then I fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> Before I really figured out what it was about. But it is a good documentary. What did you think, Sergio, of the documentary? I, you, I you got it. to watch the whole thing. Yeah, right? I watched the whole thing. It took me a couple sittings. Um, I liked it. Um, I The cattle mutilation footage was pretty freaky. Yeah, yeah. especially like right off the bat, they were just Stood like, out. ugh. Um, but... I was already kind of familiar with it and just kind of the, a lot of the interviews and stuff kind of felt kind of drug on, but if I'd never heard of it, you know, it's, it's really good introduction. Um, but, uh, it was, uh, felt like it was a little melodramatic at points, but you know, it's entertainment. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because Surfy or, uh, um, not, not you, uh, Soraya said that, uh, it kind of landed in a middle ground between people that already know what's going on and people that don't. And it didn't really bridge the gap really well. You know, it didn't, it it didn't introduce anything new to people that have read the book, but it wasn't very introductory or welcoming to people that hadn't read the book. As like a primer. Right. So, and I think I fall into that, that latter category. So I went into it not having read this book or knowing anything about this. And it was, it was very difficult to, to, um, 
to settle into it, you know, because I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know why all these different crazy aspects are being thrown together into this pot. And I don't know, you know, where they're going with it or what the ultimate uh, goal is of the documentary or why they've produced it or what the significance is of it or anything like that, you know, because they don't describe that at all. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah I'd have to agree. But having having that introduction to it having read the book i was all about oh cool this is cool information yeah you know this there was a couple of new things that i just really didn't know but other than that i was just kind of like well this is kind of just a regurgitation of what's in the book just sort of reinforcement the other thing too you know um and josh brought this up there's there's a part in the documentary and this is in the book and i'm a little more skeptical about this now than i was back then when i read it was that whole thing about the creature coming out of the portal and them seeing some kind of different sky coming through the por- coming on the other side, and I'm, now I'm just kind of like, it's a little too good. And then you're just hearing, you're not hearing it from the person that actually it, it actually happened to. You're hearing yeah, it from yeah. another person. So, you know, is something getting lost in the telling, or are they just telling something to make it sound even is more it being embellished? better yes. than it was? You know, was it being embellished? We were talking about this uh, at dinner today about how certain these certain of these paranormal places and these paranormal events that oftentimes they will get embellished for whatever reason that is. You know, if it's something that is like to sell a book or to make a movie or to sell some kind of rice, whatever that is, or just the natural human inclination to embellish, um, you know, like the Bell Witch has kind of become folklore now. We know something probably happened there, something genuinely mysterious. But how much of what we're getting now is the actual story? Um and like Amityville Horror would be another one. How much I believe something happened to those people, but I think that that got embellished, especially when the book came out. It oh, got even sure, more yeah. embellished. And now Skinwalker Ranch is kind of the same thing. Is that becoming more and more an embellished, a kind of like its own kind of like 21st century folklore now? Yeah, its own mythos. You know? So that's that's those are all things to consider if if you are going to watch it. One of the things that 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 didn't match up. It was kind of weird because the documentary is two documentaries in that you have, um, George Knapp's material that he had recorded back in like 2006 or 2007. And now you had Jeremy O'Corbell stuff that he did just recently. So what Corbell does is he intersperses all of Knapp's material in there, and then he does these other interviews where he talks to people that live around the area, not people that live in the ranch, on the ranch, but they're actually, he's actually talking to people that have seen UFOs or had weird stuff happen to them. So you get some personal firsthand stories, but it's not in particularly about the ranch itself, just about, like you said, the whole entire was it Uinta Basin? Uinta Basin, yeah, which is it's huge. I mean, it's like a huge piece of Utah, big area. I mean, you talk when you get in these western states. I mean, it's just land after land, and that's all you have basically. So you had an interesting uh, thing that you heard, Sergio. Yes. Yeah, so uh, as a uh, 
shortwave listener, DXer, um, and even before that, I caught this guy on AM radio, this guy, Brother Stare from the Overcomer Ministry. I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with him. He's probably the uh, one of the last big public uh, cult leaders in America. He's got like his compound, South Carolina. I thought he was imprisoned currently. I guess he's out. I'm not sure he's still broadcasting. These guys buy up, like they'll have like 10, I've heard like 10 shortwave bands going at the same time. Wow. I mean, all across the spectrum. I mean, these guys put serious money into AM and, uh, and shortwave. Um, there was a famous rapper who recently passed Craig Mack, who actually got sucked into the cult too, uh, shortly before he passed, I guess. And lived out there a couple years. Really weird. But yeah, this guy's in and out of prison. Brother Stair is, uh, you know, for, you know, the usual cult leader, sexual assaults and stuff like that. Um, but he played this. And I know this is like a thing. People make these fake emergency broadcasts. But I'm just like going through the airwaves and I actually just catch this like emergency broadcast sounding thing, but it's actually a hoax and it's like announcing the civil war and invasion of America. And so I like, you know, videoed it and turned the radio way up. So hopefully it comes this is in. What right. you, this is what you recorded. Yeah, this is my recording. Phone. So it's not great yeah. quality, but let's check it out here. For what is about to take place, DHS and FBIC drawing up sides for the civil war. Is now in talk. Confirmed except for the exact dollar amounts of the bribes. The report continues. FBI and CIA hierarchy has given its assent for the program. Trump will have to move fast and with overwhelming force to cut off the head. Puerto Rico governor is already on board and would not contest a landing by Chinese and Russian forces on the island. Plan entails Russian use of several EMP devices on mainland, hesitantly confirmed by the DHS source, followed by fifth column attacks on leftists to stir up Ma. Confirmed except for the exact dollar amounts of the bribes. Massive rebellion. Once this starts, these forces will then move to overwhelm southern border entry points and attack strategic mainland Navy, Army, and Air Force bases. Chinese will overwhelm ports of Long Beach, San Francisco, Seattle, and Vancouver previously reported by the CSS. Canadian Prime Minister now on board and will not honor his treaty commitment to the United States. He will stand down his forces. In return, Russia will not seize more territory than highways leading from Alaska and the St. Lawrence navigation route. Mexico, Venezuela, Cuba, Nicaragua, Russia, and China will form vanguard of southern invasion force. North Korea, a lot China, of detail. and Iran will be used to tie down American units in the Middle East and Northern Asia. North Korea will attack, starting the campaign, once South Korea completes dismantling its landmine fields. This process has already started. At zero hour, Russian and Chinese hunter killer sat. Satellites will take out American GPS and early warning satellites. EMP burst overhead will shut down American power grid. This will be when fifth column goes into action. The killing will be massive and on a nationwide scale. Are you reading a report? <laughs> I guess that's Brother Stare there at the yeah, end. Yeah. They, you know, they, they, they nailed the, uh, the calm, passive, like, uh, public service announcement voice, though. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's like a whole thing. People, you know, probably just have the the voice samples, and you can make it say whatever. I'm sure it's just some yeah. program, but yeah, yeah. 
But yeah, like, I mean, I saw a bunch of people do this on YouTube, but I'm actually just going through the airwaves and just stumble upon this. Like, what the hell is this? (laughs) We need to make one of our own. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. I think that would be good just to play it right before, you know, make sure somebody can play Conspiracy Normal on the radio and just start like a mass panic. (laughs) Yeah, right. Which is totally, I mean, it's absolutely... uh, uh, unethical for him to just play that and know people are gonna just oh absolutely freak out <laughs> but you know, but but listening to it now like the first time i listened to it you know i, I was kind of just like kind of like what the hell is this and now listening to it now i'm just thinking that's a whole lot of detail man like that's like the whole war like planned out like yeah, yeah don't yeah, worry yeah. this is what's gonna happen the this first is how, part this is how world war three is gonna turn out what for i everybody. didn't catch was more like the domestic stuff like uh-huh. trump's gonna have to move in and the, you know and oh martial law is yeah, coming yeah, and all yeah. this yeah against the deep state yep yep wow that's a good catch there, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's crazy. crazy. That's, that's crazy. some weird. We some need, we need to get shit. We we need to yeah. Speaking of which, the 80th anniversary of that is coming up at the end of this month. Really, end of October. Wow. The original October multimedia 30- troll. Man. Yep. October yeah. 30th, 1938. The Orson Welles uh, nice. War of the Worlds broadcast. So, I have something that I want to read. What do you, what do you got? This is a Yelp review. Oh, awesome. So, this has nothing to do with paranormal. But I just kind of wanted, just because this is good, this will be good to kind of end the show. (laughs) I went to a place called Parnassus Books today. (laughs) And I was looking up uh, where they were. And, of course, you know, Google uh, app on the iPhone, you can go to the Yelp review. Right, bookstores being a dying thing. Yeah, and I found this one, like, one um, star Yelp review, and apparently all this person does is give one star or two star Yelp reviews. <laughs> and just tell me, I really I really hope that everybody out there listening, that you can feel this guy's pain and that you can relate to his life because, you know, I'm sure we've all been here. We went to Parnassus for the Deb Coletti author event on September 18th. The event was advertised on the Parnassus website and the Nashville scene as starting at 6.30. That time was inconvenient for us, but we went out of our way to get to the bookstore on time. We cut a kayak trip short and arrived late to another event across town that we'd already purchased tickets to buy the time we found out about the event at Parnassus. We were starving from kayaking all day and thought about grabbing a quick bite at Chipotle next door before the Parnassus event, but left Chipotle when we saw the line, as we knew we'd never be able to get and eat food there in time to be at Parnassus by the time of the 6.30 event. Parnassus had a podium, chairs, and small sofa set up when we came in at 6.20. We browsed a little and actually picked out four books we planned to purchase after the event before taking our seats. We're both, we're both avid readers and generally prefer to give our business to independently owned bookstores as opposed to the well-known giant booksellers. 6.30 came and went with no sign of the author and not a word from the Parnassus staff about the delay. Again, we had tickets to another event across town, so we were pressed for time, but we also became concerned... We... We also became concerned about the fact that Parnassus didn't seem to respect our time. 
at 6.45 with still no sign of Deb Coletti. And don't worry from Parnassus about the delay. We put the books we had planned to purchase back on the shelves and walked out. Having wasted our time driving to Green Hills during rush hour traffic, cut our kayak trip short for no reason, and squandered the chance we had to get food before the other event to which we had tickets. We also arrived late to the other event, missing the opening of the show, also for no reason. As book lovers who purchase tons of books every year, prefer to shop local, and will go out of our way to attend author events, Parnassus really let us down and made it clear that they didn't respect our time. We won't be back. So. Try the bookshop, <laughs> formerly her bookshop, in Hillsborough Village for a local, independently owned bookstore that won't waste your time and effort. Can I unpack this real quick? Um, yes, you can. So, <laughs> in between kayaking dinner and a theater event that was dreadfully important to this couple. Is this a weekday? They, yeah, they, okay, the event was scheduled for 6.30. Whenever I schedule an event, anything online, I schedule a half hour before things start. Because it takes people time to shuffle in and find their seats get settled, and then things start. They stayed there a whole whopping 12 minutes before they got up and stormed out to their next event. They played yes, more... They didn't even have they time played to more go to Chipotle, Rob. They planned more crap in that one day than I do in a month. These rich, snooty, uppity... <laughs> I don't know. They're eating Chipotle, man. That's no taste. Because it was next door. They didn't have a choice. Right. They had no choice but to go and eat Chipotle. <laughs> that was part of their complaint was we had to eat next door at Chipotle. All right. So if you will if you will if you will indulge me. There's there's more from this individual. Oh god. Okay. There's more <laughs> reviews. And, 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 and we, we love Nashville. It's our town. I don't really like this do. person. But what? there there really is some pretentiousness here in Nashville. Oh my god. Okay. All right. So, um, all right, here, here we go. <laughs> this is for a place called, <laughs> this is for a place called Crema. This was a little shorter. Oh God. I've been to Crema. We planned the entire last day of our friend's trip to Nashville around a public cupping at Crema. We were invited to do several other things, but ultimately none of the times worked with the 4 p.m. cupping. So we missed out on a lot in order to prioritize the Crema experience. We had secured our free tickets, that's in quotation marks, via the Eventbrite website days in advance. We fought downtown rush hour traffic and made it to Crema in time to park and be inside by 3.45, just in time to be early for the 4 p.m. cupping, or so we thought. We told an employee we were there for the cupping, and we're currently informed that the cupping we'd planned our entire day around was, quote unquote, full. In an attempt to clarify, we explained that we had tickets. Apparently, where Crema is concerned, tickets don't get you in and are basically pointless. A key point not made anywhere on the Crema are Eventbrite websites. Tickets are no at Crema. Coffee cuppings are first come, first serve, and limited to six attendees. Crema could... <laughs> Crema could alienate a lot fewer people and wreck a lot fewer days by making this apparent. Crema lost loyal customers and a tourist fan today. Which, by the way, this person lives in Mount Juliet, which is a suburb of Nashville, which hardly makes him a tourist. <laughs> what the hell is a cupping? That's <laughs> <laughs> not what you're thinking. <laughs> it's not a cupping. It's a cupping. A cupping. <laughs> what is that? 
I'm, I'm a coffee I'm person. I'm thinking I've been a that person it's a ta- that you're that you're tasting coffee. I okay. guess. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I guess we can look it up. What a cupping would be. I, I suppose. Okay. Somebody, you remind me of the narrator from Winnie the Pooh right now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I'll, I'll chew into the rest of that kind of snooty, upper crust American yeah. staccato voice for you. Do that. Uh, you need to do some Yelp reviews, Adam, on, I, on, on the bookstores not carrying their uh, yes. paranormal yes. and speculative selections. Yes. So it is not good enough. They have the conspiracy in the occult section. <laughs> Let's see. We're not new. Wave. I did look up cupping, but I don't think it's exactly what uh, what you think. So, what is crema anyway? Okay, yeah. Okay, public cupping at crema, edible Nashville. <laughs> public we're, we're, cupping, we're, man. We're, we're digging deep <laughs> here. Looking some, them videos. We got, up some, on we the got some cupping going on here. This says, do you prioritize your personal palate development? Do you purposely embark on taste bud adventures whenever the opportunity presents itself? Are you invigorated by the thoughts of being in the know when we release new coffees? If so, public cuppings are for you. Cremo wants to engage with you, the community, by exploring and evaluating <laughs> their coffees together. Sign up for public cuppings and join Crema for an hour spent getting to know five coffees. No experience necessary. And that was at September 19th at 4 to 5 p.m., so we missed it. I didn't know people drank coffee like that. I guess I'm just, I, I, this, this is total news to me. Yeah. This, this guy is like, he has just a ridiculous amount. Like, of he blames reviews. every, he blames every, every, uh, every business. Like he blames rush hour traffic on them somehow. <laughs> like after battling rush hour traffic, yeah, he's the one who lives in Mount Juliet. Yeah, if you're coming from Mount Juliet into Nashville, you're asking for I it. I think he's a little uppity for Mount Juliet, man. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, there's coffee shops in Mount Juliet. What are you doing? You know, he's doing all the stuff well, like he lives off of West End or something. <laughs> none, none of I that. I think is, he's aspiring. None of that is good enough. Well, I think he's aspiring. That's what this so is all about. I went to Parnassus. I, I just I went there. Just to check it out because I'm going to go to a public cupping there. No, I actually am going to go to a to an author's uh, cool. a talk next week because I want to try to. This is a person I'd love to get on the podcast, so I want to try to actually talk to him. Um, but so I went to Parnassus, and then I then my I I needed to make a, a deposit on my bank, and I got one of my bank branch is is there is so you go there this is green hills and so you know i know people not everybody obviously that listens to us are from nashville but in fact we surfiel was our only listener in nashville and we put him on the show <laughs> so so the uh when you go over there uh there's signs in the front that say uh two parking spots and they say parking for high mileage and fuel efficient vehicles only. And I'm thinking, well, you know, my Nissan Sentra is, yeah. you know, a low mile, a high mileage and fuel efficient vehicle. Could I park there? So I go, so I go in there. I'm waiting in line, and this old lady comes in and just starts bitching at the at the the girl, like the manager lady, 
and start saying like, you know, why why is that there? Like we couldn't park, we can't park there. You should take those signs down. So it's just like, just like two fighting fish. It's just like the <laughs> liberal part of town. Everybody just has to police each other. You know, they I just have say to that's just the liberal part of town. But Parnassus Books is probably they they advertise. I don't know, dude. Green Hills Ball is pretty hooty toity, dude. Yeah, yeah. That's, but yeah, compared to like East Nashville or West End, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Nobody knows what we're talking about. But yeah, so it's weird how it was just a weird experience. It's just like really. So why are those signs even there anyway? Like, why do they want people to, to with high mileage, with high mileage and fuel efficient vehicles to park there? Might as well have the plug for your electric car because they don't want people Tesla. To, yeah, they just don't want people with Hummers to shop at their store. Yeah, yeah, that must be what it is. You can't go to the bank if you got a Hummer. Yeah. Which, by the way, speaking of Tesla, and this is the last thing before we go. Uh, <laughs> we might have something else, but continue. You did. Uh, you I, did say that uh, we, you were happy. The, the article that I sent you about the people that were uh, five hundred or so people at some university that were asked what their vision of God was going to be, and they drew a composite that looks like Elon Musk. I didn't read the article. In all fairness, <laughs> <laughs> I just said I told you so. <laughs> So apparently Elon Musk is the composite vision of God. <laughs> Amongst college students, anyway. Yes. What were you going to say, Sergio? Well, we didn't talk about the movie we saw last week. Oh, oh. Fahrenheit 11.9. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You talk about that at all? Just general impressions? or Y'all went to a movie without me? Yeah, we told you about it. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> you You were offered. Not cheating if we tell you. Yes, yes. <laughs> I forget things. Sorry. Um, we went with Doctor Future to go see Michael Moore's movie Fahrenheit Eleven Nine. Don't know I if mean, we'll go to a movie with Doctor Future again. No, I was joking. <laughs> yeah, he was like talking to everybody, like in the like, like everybody in the movie theater. Like, like you don't know these people, Mike. Like, why are you? Surfiel and I are just like we don't know him, and um, but. I mean, it was a good. It was good. It was decent. It had some good points. I. Uh, it was like you said. I think a little bit scattered. Scattered. Because I thought he was it was going to be a big like Trump expose, but is really which was interesting is really about where uh, where America is at and what led to Trump's election as far as the yeah. American psyche and. The failure of the Democratic Party and right, it was, he went after the media. He yeah. went after the Democrats pretty hard uh, for what they did to Bernie and uh, made some really good points. Um, it just it it did it just felt scattered because you had a like lot he about to make Flint a few movies and and he put it all in that one, rushed it all out so he could do his anti-Trump movie. Basically, yeah, yeah. that's kind of how kind of how I felt about it. Yeah, same here. So. All right. Well, I think that's it. Rob, tell everybody where they can uh, join us uh, for a cupping if they want to send us uh, some money on Patreon. Yeah, if you're uh... – sorry, I couldn't think of the phrasing they had. <laughs> if you want to check out our Patreon, uh, go to patreon.com slash conspiranormal. We've got a lot of bonus episodes up there. It's always growing. Uh, we've got a great little community there. 
Um, there's different tiers you can subscribe to. And if, if you don't want a monthly subscription, but you want to contribute to the show, you can do that at conspiranormal.com for a one-time donation. And if you want to help us, but you don't want to spend money doing it, you can do that just by sharing us with your friends or a good five-star review on iTunes or Stitcher. Yes. All right. Thank you guys. We're going to have a, we're going to be certain, uh, kind of like a more paranormal Halloween theme going into this holiday. So, Surfiel's got a guest that uh, we're going to get in here. Well, maybe in the studio. Yeah, maybe in studio. More than likely, probably over the phone or over Skype. So, I think that's it. Tennessee ghost stories. Yeah, yeah, Tennessee ghost stories. Um, So, I want to thank Chris and Tim, Josh, and Soraya for coming on tonight. And I want to thank everybody else for listening to Conspiranormal Cupping. This to me is like the really fascinating material. We don't know what the answer is, but we're looking for patterns. I think we're looking at kind of a type of cosmic alchemy. The story slowly Still, a lot of people don't know that this technology actually exists. The possibilities here are pretty mind-blowing. the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done